page. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Psalms of Lament, boy, that's, a, that's an interesting one as we pull themes out. A lot of people think lament, well, I think they wrote that in the Bible somewhere. Well, they did, uh, but there's a whole lot on the Bible about lament and the lamenting that you're going to find out this morning. But first of all, just being in our American culture, we aren't very good at grieving and mourning and losing. We celebrate our wins publicly, but we grieve privately. We grieve our losses, especially privately. I mean, we've got these Grammy shows, you know, playing loud music, celebrating laughter and dancing and all that, celebrating all the wins of the famous and stuff, and we like to do that, you know, their awards. But no one ever wants to make a blockbuster movie about the athlete who lost everything and uh, never did recover. Or the investor who, you know, lost all his money and uh, filed for bankruptcy. End of story. Or the person who got their heart broken and lived the rest of their life alone. Like, if we started making movies like that, nobody would go to them, right? We want happy endings, otherwise nobody's going to pay for the show. So, we're into the wins. We like to celebrate. We like to rejoice, and that's good. But uh, maybe um, all this happy endings is not reality. It's not truth. It's not truthful. It's dishonest, really. Uh, maybe that's one of the benefits, actually, of the reality shows that we have on today. For instance, Alone. Have anybody ever watched Alone in here? Be honest with you. Come on. It's, it's, I've, watched the, uh, I've watched parts of it. I watched one whole series because I had to make, find out who won once I started. And then I watched parts of it. Uh, it's an interesting show, and that's probably more like what life is about. They take these people and they disperse them out in the remote regions. They're all by themselves. They're all isolated. And the one who can survive the longest without tapping out is the one who gets all the money at the end of the show. So I guess it does have a happy ending. But it's interesting because they film the, or they're filming themselves through their journey in these remote places. And I'm telling you what, you start seeing real life happen, real emotions. Because they're in this situation where they have to self-reflect and they're self-examining their life because all this alone time, it's just crazy. They... They're, they start thinking about their struggles and their deepest struggles that they've been through and maybe their um, self-reflection takes them to regrets and uh, those relationships that are really important to them start taking on a whole new meaning. And, and in the midst of all that, one by one, they just break down and they start sobbing and you know crying and, and it's really dramatic. What we call that is lamenting. That's true lament that's happening and it's finally honest. You know, you go, that's, that's life there. Well, we're not good at that. What is lamenting? Well, let me define this shortly. Uh, it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It could be a song. It could be music. It could be a poem expressing sorrow. It can be an expression of regret, disappointment, complaint. Like I say, I'm not really good at this, I tend to see the glass half full. I tend to live on the happy side, <laughs> I guess. That's just how God made me, so I'm okay with that. Um, but I did lament this week. When I got home after 10 days, Lori and I went to see our kids, grandkids, and my lawn was like this long. I mean, it just grew. I fertilized it a while back, and 
It, it, it doesn't even look real. It's so green. It's like, <laughs> and it was wet. And I thought, man, I got to mow this thing. And so I got out there and I started mowing. It took me, I'm not exaggerating, four hours. In the middle of it, I was lamenting. <laughs> I was complaining. You ever get that sense of hopelessness that comes upon you? I mean, I'm halfway done and I look around and I see nothing but long grass. <laughs> I'm going, is this ever going to end? You know, things are happening. Things are clogging up. I'm digging grass out of the bottom of the mower. I mean, it's just on and on. And by the time I got done, I was green from the head to my toe. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But I conquered it. But it didn't happen without some lamenting. Let me tell you. It was rough. But Again, we're not good at this. Read Facebook, for instance. Well, I don't encourage you to read Facebook. I can't believe I'm telling you to read Facebook. Of all, No, what we need to do is get our face out of Facebook and then not get our faces into the real book, right? Uh, no, but anyway, it, 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 people on Facebook, they're, they're not really into airing their flaws and failures and their faults either. Um, <clears throat> how would it look if somebody got on Facebook and explained their day? Well, here's how it went today. I gained five pounds this week, been really gassy this morning, spent most of the uh, morning on the toilet, woke up with a boil on my nose, and uh, called in sick and got fired. End of story. Not always going to rejoice and read that, are they? They're like, man, this guy's a real loser, right? Uh, But that's reality. But we don't say that a lot. Nobody wants to read that stuff. Well, maybe some do. I think that's why the Bible's so interesting, because the Bible's so real and honest and raw. I mean, you see people's faults and failures. It is out there, because God is so secure. He says, yep, these are my kids. They're a mess. Eventually, they accomplish my purpose, but not without slugging it out a little bit and falling down. But the righteous will fall seven times. They'll get back up again if they follow me. And and so he just puts it out there. That's what's so cool about the Bible. I mean, in the Psalms, you read lots of laments. You see it all over the place. You could read uh, the book of Lamentation. Hmm. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Oh gosh, he had lots of lamenting to do. The book of Habakkuk is just basically one big long book of lamenting. David, a warrior, giant killer, kills lions and tigers and bears and all that stuff. He lamented as well, and he did it really good. But will you see the kind of lamenting in the Bible, which is so productive because it's people crying out to God. They are lamenting in life. They're broken for whatever reason. They're going through some uh, pain and sorrow and deep, deep pits and all kinds of stuff going on and all kinds of expressions. But they're doing it towards God, which is so good because it gives us a way out of that deep, dark place. It's, it's a movement towards healing if you position yourself towards God biblically and move forward in lament. That's what it's meant to be. And it's really big in the Bible. So ultimately, lamenting can be and should be an expression of faith in God who gets us through the tough times. It's a healthy outlet of emotions. And that's necessary because God created us as emotional beings, and we aren't to deny our emotions, but we are to express them and live them out. It's healthy for us to do that. Now, there's probably around 65 psalms of lament or so. We're going to look at a few, and some of them we're going to put up there that are real long. I'm not going to, probably won't read through them all for, because of time, but I'll just kind of skip through and point out, but you can always go back and I'll just reference a few. And again, I'm just giving you a few. There's a bunch. 
But let me give you some reasons why we lament. And then at the end, I'm going to have Pastor Christine come up, and she's going to talk to you on the practical side of how to apply lament to your life. And uh, boy, this worked out really good in the last service, really fruitful. And um, so <clears throat> that's what we're going to do. So here's the first one. When I lament, I allow myself to feel. Remember, you're an emotional being. Look at some of these Psalms. Psalms 3. I cried out to the Lord. How many of you have actually literally cried out to the Lord with your voice from your guts? I mean, you just, right? Psalm 13, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? All day? I'm feeling stuff all day, man. How long shall my enemy exalt over me? Oh, answer me, God. Oh, answer me. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Notice that term, sleep the sleep of death. In other words, I don't want to go numb in my emotions. I wasn't created to do that. Psalm 22, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from my words and my groaning? Oh God, I cry out to you day and night, but you do not answer me by night, but I find no rest. Here's the deal. When we're hurting, we often want to numb ourselves and turn off the pain that we feel. That's typically how a lot of people deal with it if they don't know how to deal with their emotions or what they're going through. When we go numb, we harm our relationship with God. We tend to harm our relationship with other people and we sleep the sleep of death. In other words, we go emotionally dead. Not, not good for us. It's not uncommon to retreat or to hide or try to isolate ourselves. When you isolate yourselves, so you're right where the enemy wants you, you become his punching bag. Not a good place to be. Sometimes we will try to numb the pain by self-medicating. Lots of ways we do that today. Our pleasure of choice. Drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, on and on, entertainment. There's all kinds of stuff, but all it's doing is put a band-aid over the pain. It doesn't work. So lamenting allows us to feel process through, allows us to actually feel all that we're experiencing so that we grieve our losses and experience the loving presence of God and even those around us who love us. It's pretty important. Again, you're created to feel emotion. And there's all kinds of emotions out there. You are not created to be a robot, and you are not a robot. You're an emotional person. So live them out. Live out loud. The next one, when I lament, I process pain. Big process happening here. Psalm 42. Let me pull some things out of this. He starts out, as a deer pants for the water stream, so my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. Can you picture... In the arid place in the desert, you know, in Israel, there's a deer hiding in the thicket. The sun is blazing down. It's hot. He's thirsty. He's panting, staring at the water brook. It's like 20 feet away if I could just get to it, but I dare not dash out there because a predator might see me. So I wait. I wait. Oh, if I could only. And that's, that's how David's feeling. He's in the wilderness. He's sitting there, and he's like, oh, God, if you could just meet me where I'm at. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God is this living picture. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, they've been my food day and night. When they say unto me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember, I pour out my soul. How long would I go with the throng and lead the procession? He says, I can't lead these people anywhere in God because, oh, day and night, the sun goes down, the, the sun comes back up, and I'm still processing through. He says, why are you downcast, my soul? Is this self-reflection? Why are you turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon. And he goes on, 
And then he says, by day the Lord commands a steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, and prayer of my God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgot me? He's going through all of this processing. Where is your God? Where are you, God? Soul, what's going on? He keeps talking to himself. Why are you downcast, soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. I'll yet praise in my salvation. So you see, here's someone who's processing through a lot of emotion. He's on this painful journey. He's wrestling through. There's tears. There's a sense of remembering and reflection and pouring his soul out. Why are you downcast? He's self-examination's happening. He says, deep calls unto deep. In other words, there's a digging and lamenting allows for that excavation process to happen in your life where things need to be broken up and things need to be turned up and pulled out. A lot of times that's what liquid prayer is. It's liquid prayer. It's tears of liquid prayer, but the deep calling into deep coming out through that excavation process. There's a working through the grief or a loss or an anger. It's getting through the healing process. That's the hard work. This allows us, though, not to get stuck in that pit of despair. But yes, you sit there for a season until you're finally ready to get up and crawl out of it and move forward. And sometimes you've got to sit there for a while and let the excavation happen. Psalms 23, 4, very familiar psalm, says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Walk through the valley because there's always an exit. You're going through and you don't stop and stay. And so there's a passing. There's a going, there's an exit to the grief and the despair as you process it out. But lamenting allows that to happen. Let me give you another one. When I lament, I grieve my involvement and shed my victim mindset. Boy, this is so important because there's a gravitational pull in all of us to want to become the victim when we're in that difficult place. Really common, common today, common for all of us. We got to resist that and fight it because none of us in this room are victims. None of us are. Mm -mm. No, not with God. There's a famous psalm that David, who sinned with Bathsheba and he murdered uh, her husband. And what you see throughout this psalm is a man who is very broken and full of repentance. He's grieving over his own sin. And he does not take on the victim mindset, but he takes ownership of what he has done and trusts God instead, moves towards God, the only person who can really restore him. See, a victim, never, a victim mindset uh, never owns their sin. They would just rather blame others and make excuses. We can't live there. Psalm 51, look at David. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He's very emphatic. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I done this sin and done evil in your sight. He says, behold, you delight truth. You delight truth, God, in the inward parts, so I'm going to be truthful. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Hide your face from what? From my sin. Blot out my iniquities. Crawls out on God to give him a clean heart and restore a right spirit in him and renew not his salvation, but the joy of his salvation. And that's how he plays it out. He's taken full ownership. And a lot of times in lamenting, 
we find ourselves in that place of raw, deep honesty. This is, this is why this is so important, is because when we're hurting, it can be really difficult to see um, any fault or responsibility that we may have for our own suffering. Well, it's that unfair boss that fired me, but did we show up late for work all the time and were we really responsible on the job? Well, it's that, that uh, uh, unloving person that broke off the engagement. Well, did we give them reason to exit the relationship? Well, it's that cold family member that just keeps cutting off communication. Well, did we break trust over and over and over again? And this is the lamenting comes to brings us to that place of deep honesty. We have to be real. We, in lamenting, we are open to any learning opportunities that, that we may have to admit when it comes to our own maybe past failures and not drag them into the future. Through our lamenting, we, we may have to own mistakes, we may have to own failures, and that requires deep honesty, and that's not the easy part. Um, we can't ignore sin, we can't ignore the mistakes, but we have to clearly identify. That's important because if we're not willing to put our finger on what we've done wrong or what's wrong in the situation, then get ready for the same old thing over and over again. Because without an accurate diagnosis, nothing will ever change. So important. How many know raw honesty Deep honesty, deep repentance, deep ownership. Lamenting can bring us to that place when it needs to happen. Facing ourselves. Can be ugly. Can be. The ugly truth. <laughs> but it leads to a peaceful outcome when you know everything between me and my God is good. And I've cleared the air and I can move on. Here's another one. When I lament, I don't lash out in vengeance at others. Boy, this is a big thing for David. You know his story. He spent many years on the run. The king was trying to kill him. Enemies always breathing down his neck. He didn't do anything wrong. He was God's chosen. Yet he never lifted a sword against Saul. He never struck back. I mean, it's amazing, this guy. You see David's honesty, though, in the midst of his turmoil and struggle. He refused to lash out in vengeance. He, instead, he would constantly declare who God was his. And God was his protector. And God was his shield. Psalm 64, it's a pretty long one. You can read through it in length, but he says, Hear my voice, O God, of my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of enemy. Hide me in the, from the secure plots of the wicked, from the throngs of the evildoers who met their, wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter swords like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly with, without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk and lay snares secretly, thinking who can see them. They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a great search. For the inward mind and heart of man is deep, but God shoots his arrows at them. In other words, David's saying, look, I'm not going to worry about that stuff. It's God who defends me. Right? They, they are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. I don't have to speak against them. They will do that on their own. Then all mankind fears, and then they tell God, uh, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let the upright in heart exalt. 
Psalms 80 is another great one. It says, oh, grant us help against the foe, for the vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly, for it is he who treads down our foes. Here's the deal. Why this is important? Because hurt people hurt people. You probably heard that before, but it's true. You and I, we could be counterpunchers by nature, right? We turn hatred for hatred, hurt for hurt, anger for anger. We're good at that. We can be. When you become a believer, you have to learn not to do that, right? And trust in God. It's like your hot water tank in your house has a pressure relief valve on it. If the pressure gets too high, that valve is going to open up so it doesn't destroy your hot water tank or the water lines itself. Doesn't want to damage those things. Lamenting, in a sense, is like this pressure valve in our soul, and it's activated when we lament, and it releases the pressure so we can return to our saner selves and not hurt the people around us when we're hurting. We not hurt ourselves either. Bottle up frustration, hurt, anger, unforgiveness. You and I were just not designed to carry that around. It'll eat you up. God didn't design you to carry that stuff. He says, I'm God, give it to me. You don't need to live under that kind of stuff. Don't live under the weight of that. It'll crush you. He's given us an outlet, the pressure relief valve of the soul through lamenting. Take advantage of that. Amen? Come on, some of us have never done that. And you wonder why you're all knotted up on the inside. Okay, let's look at the next one. When I'm lamented, when I lament, I emphasize with others yeah, emphasize of others who are hurting. Psalm 69, <clears throat> there's a few, there's many others, but verse 33 says, For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Psalm 72, may he defend the cause of the poor and the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. For he delivers the needy when they call the poor, and, and, and in him who, are, who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy, and he saves the lives of the needy from the oppression and violence. He redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Why is that important? Well, I'll tell you what. When, when we're hurting, it's easy to make ourselves the center of the universe. We want everybody to stop what they're doing and rescue me and come to my help. I want to be your priority. And look, there are seasons in life when that is necessary. When some of us in this room, probably all of us at one time, we needed people's attention and we needed to be the priority because we were in a bad place. And that's okay. But when you're moving through lamenting, on the flip side of that, uh, we can easily forget that there are those around us that have their own grief and struggles and that are hurting as well. And, and lamenting allows us to heal up to the point where uh, thereby we can establish uh, and enable ourselves to have compassion once again for those that are around us that are hurting. That's why our greatest ministry comes from our deepest pain. Nothing's without purpose. But there's pain and purpose. And there's pain. There's purpose in pain and there's purpose in lamenting. That's why in 2 Corinthians it takes great time and length to explain that the God of all comfort will comfort us when we need comfort so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we've received from God who has comforted us. It says all that in there. <laughs> in other words, uh, it allows, lamenting allows you to enter into God's comfort where you want to be. And it's going to create a door, though, an exit 
out of our sorrow and be transformed in the process. And now you carry this rich resource that you have received from God that others can now tap into, those who need help. And so our lamenting is going to, once again, sensitize us to those around us that otherwise we might not even see. I don't know if it's about you, but when you've been through a season of deep pain or frustration, whatever you've been through, you walk around and all of a sudden you sense others who are going through something troubling as well that you otherwise never would have because you don't understand or empathize because you've never been there. But now you have. Deep ministry happens there. Well, the next one is, when I lament, I feel hope for the future. Boy, you can live without a lot of things, but you cannot live without hope. Psalm 69 is a long one. Look at how he begins here. He says, save me, oh God. Is that somebody looking for hope? For the waters have come up to my neck. I'm sinking in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with the crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes are dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, I became my reproach. When I made sackcloth, my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit at the gate and the drunkards make songs about me. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? They're down at the tavern singing about you, <laughs> making songs. Hmm? It says, for us, for me, though, my prayer is to you, O God. An acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love. Answer me in your steadfast faithfulness. Deliver me from the sinking mire. Let me be delivered from all my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me and the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant. And he continues to lament through until he says, O God, Set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. He takes all that deep sorrow and takes him to a place where hope is revived. And he goes on. So lamenting allows our heart funeral for the past. This allows us to have a sense of closure so we can eventually get up and move forward into the future that God has with, for us with great hope. Hope. Hope that your worst day will not be every day. Huh? You ever been there? God always has the last word. Psalms 84, I love this psalm, always have. I preached on it way back in my way. I first started preaching. Um, I did a message on this, but... He says, as they pass through the Valley of Becca, these people are on a pilgrimage, a journey. Valley of Becca. Becca is a place, it means a dry place, and a place of tears. It's a hard place. It's a difficult place. He says, what do they do? They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength. When you go through those difficult dry places, the tears, the lamenting, turns it into a place of refreshing where you eventually go from strength to strength and there's hope. 
I'll give you one more. When I lament, I escape anger and depression. Boy, that's a big one. Psalms 10 says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. Psalms 103, Lord, you you work righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Psalms 146, blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made the heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever, God who executes justice for the oppressed. One of the greatest ways to release anger, and we all know this, obviously, number one is to forgive, but it's always the hardest thing to do. But to release them over to God's justice, the just God, so that he will handle things in his time and his way, which is always better than us. We're not the judge, he is. You know, statistically, men and women handle and manifest their depression and anxiety and their dread in a different way. Women are more likely to express symptoms um, commonly known as depression through uh, weepiness or sadness or withdrawal. Men, on the other hand, they don't like emotional being emotional, emotionally vulnerable, so they just turn on their anger, right? They'd rather go to war than weep, right? Makes us feel strong and capable and also live in denial. <laughs> the truth is a lot of angry men are just depressed. Um, they, don't, they don't know how to lament. Now, the book of Isaiah prophesied that Jesus promised who would come. He would be a man of sorrow, a man acquainted with grief, familiar. And we see that Jesus, through the Gospels, wept over Jerusalem. And he wept over his buddy Lazarus. And when you look at the crucifixion, you see the weeping, the crying out, the bloodletting, the sweat, and the pain and the lament of our Savior, the lamenting that saved and changed the world. That's the power of lament and what Jesus calls us to. And he showed us how to do it. Hebrews 4.15 says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus gets it. He understands. He understands the lamenting process. And when you read... uh, about King David and the Psalms, and you read through the book of Habakkuk, and you read what Jeremiah said, you can find a phrase that they all cried out, and they said, How long, O Lord? They were always, How long, O Lord? I'm going to give you the answer to that. It's as long as it takes for that excavation process to happen. The digging out, the unearthing, and getting that out of your life. It could take a while. Because eventually, lamenting will lead to rejoicing. And this is what Jesus said in John 16, 20. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your joy, your joy will be turned, I mean, your weeping, your weeping and your sorrow will be turned to joy. Psalm says, weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalms 126, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Now, I'm going to have Pastor Christine come, and she's going to share some application with you.
So I'm Christine. If you don't know me, I'm the Next Gen Pastor. Normally, I'd be back there teaching your kids. This is super awesome. And on Wednesday nights, I do youth ministry. And when Pastor Chris said we were doing on lamenting, I said, oh, we did such a neat thing on youth about a year ago on lamenting. And it was really impactful. And so he invited me to share it with you guys. So um, I feel like Pastor Chris laid such a great foundation of why we lament. So I won't go through that. But I do want to give you some different types of lamenting because there are, we lament for different reasons. And this by far is not a comprehensive list, but I try to get the four pretty major ones. Um, and just so you know, I personally, if you know my story, I have gone through quite a few hard times in my life. And I am really grateful that I was taught how to lament. And so I was able to process quite a bit of pain through that lamenting. And I know a lot of your stories, and I know that you too have gone through a lot of things. And if you haven't, you will. It's just life on this earth. And um, so let me give you the four. So the first one is we can lament for injustice. Um, injustice in the world, injustice for a people group, injustice for what's going on. We can lament for that, whether it, it touches us personally or not. We can lament over poverty, abortion, human trafficking. We can lament for all of those things. Um, number two, we can lament when we are experiencing something very difficult. You're going through a dark season, a hard time. We lament when we're feeling alone or forgotten by God. And we can lament when we're feeling grief and despair. And so like I said, that isn't a comprehensive list, but that kind of covers a lot of the stuff. And so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna do some like hands-on. Don't be worried though, it's not scary. So I would encourage you, if you have a journal with you, if you brought something to bring notes, or you have your phone, or if you have none of those things, I actually put some index cards in the seat backs in front of you with some pins. Grab one of those. You're not going to share this with anyone. It's not going to be anything that we're going to ask you to share aloud or anything, but just for your own um, encouragement and edification. I'm going to take you through the steps of lamenting. And this, again, is not the how-to. There's all kinds of ways you can lament, and there isn't a wrong way to lament, except for maybe one thing I'll share with you at the end. So first step is pick an injustice, a difficult thing, something you're going through now or something you went through that you would choose to lament over. It can be anything. It can be experiencing a death, a hard time, financial issues. It's not really important for this experiment or this hands-on for what it is, but just pick something. And then second, you're gonna write down what you wanna say to God about your feelings about it. Be thorough, be honest. Share how you really feel. God can take it. Once you've done that, the next step is write what you want God to do about it. Be honest. Be thorough. Even be raw. It's okay. Because he's God. He's going to do what he's going to do. But we need to express our feelings. God, I want you to stop this.
Next step is write one way you see yourself growing or getting better through this difficulty. And sometimes that's really hard to do. But if you can see through that and go like, God, I know you're increasing my faith. God, I know you're teaching me how to pray. God, I know that you're walking me so I can, whatever it is. If you can look through that by faith and see what God's doing in your life, write that down just as a statement of faith. Okay, and then the last step, and I think that this is the most important step, and I think this separates lamenting from complaining or grieving or anything else, and I think this is probably like mandatory for lamenting, is you have to acknowledge that God is working, even though you may not see it. You have to come to a conclusion of it. Because if we never come to that conclusion that, God, I know that you're God, and I know that you see all, and I know that you will come to rescue me, then it feels like you never really complete that cycle and you walk away depressed and discouraged. And so we always want to end on faith that even though I don't know why this is happening, even though I can't see it, God, I know that you are God and you have this. You've got this, even though I don't. So in some way or another, complete that by telling God, I know that you've got this, that you see it. So now once you have all those written on your paper or your notes, once you have that, you can take that and you can turn it into a personal prayer. You can turn it into a song. You know, a lot of the Psalms are songs written out of lament or praise. It can just be a time. And then most of those personal things, I believe, is personal lamenting that most of the time we do in our own homes and we do in private and we lament. Although there's a, quite a few scripture for corporate lamenting, a time when we, we would all come together and we would corporately lament over our sins, over our nation, over the world, whatever that is. There's definitely a time and a place for that. But I just wanna give you an opportunity to take what you've written and maybe even fill that in a little bit more and spend just a few minutes with the Lord um, expressing that. And then in just a few minutes, I'm gonna call the prayer team up. And if you wanna even come and have them agree with you, pray for you, if, the, if this has even brought up something for you that's been traumatic or wow, I have not actually processed this and you want someone to come in agreement with you, when the prayer team comes up, avail yourself to them. But if you wanna just come to the altars and you wanna spend your lament over the altars or in your chair, you have complete freedom and liberty to do that. So I'm just gonna give you about a minute. If y'all want to stand with us, prayer team, if you want to come on up. So I let the prayer team know ahead of time. So they are 
prayed up and ready to agree with you and pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. And then if you want to come up here, if you want to stay in your seats and pray. Um, we had a lot of people first service that stayed in their seats and prayed, and that's perfectly okay. Or, in the, or you can be dismissed. So let me pray. So Lord, we thank you that you have given us the gift of lamenting. We thank you, Lord, that we are not stuck, that we do not get stuck in a cycle of hopelessness, but you've given us this lamenting that we can cycle all the way through to know that you are God, you love us, you're, you're helping us, you're walking with us. So we thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here that has unprocessed stuff and that they would even use this tool, Lord God, that you would show them and Holy Spirit, that you would even uh, work with them, Lord God, that they would process all the pain and the questions that they have. So we thank you, Lord. We bless these people, Lord, as they sit here today, they stand here today, Lord, and may you bless their comings and goings. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.